Hello guys and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for hitting on the button. I'm very pleased to say we have another repeat performer here, Jen David, who was part of a trio last time, Jen, but now you're, you're solo, you get a bit more time to talk. You're, a, I guess, a philanthropist, aid worker, a charity worker in Sierra Leone. And if you've also uh, done a football club out there called Cheltenham Town Football Club, which is fascinating. But right now you're undergoing your own rehabilitation. You're a nurse for a profession, but now you've got to be a patient. You've got your, you've got your leg up. I'm in your living room in Cheltenham. How, how are you doing? What's, what's, yeah, what's fine, the problem? Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I ruptured my ligament uh, back in the summer playing tennis. So oh. uh, I've now had it fixed um, and I'm off my legs for a few weeks. So. And you, you've just come back from Sierra Leone, but you yes. didn't have the operation before you went. No, so that would have no, been... I, I, I delayed it till after, after I got back. Are you a keen, keen tennis player? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not very good, <laughs> but I do enjoy it, yeah. Do you play doubles or singles? Both. Both, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I haven't played since the summer because of my injuries. So. It's a tough sport, isn't it? Because I played recently and it's just frustrating sometimes that I quite like having a hit, but then when you try and have a match, you just tense up and yeah. everyone tries to just get it over the net and not, not make a mistake. And my uh, serving is uh, something to be desired as well. <laughs> <laughs> my first serve's all right if it goes in, but then yeah, the exactly. second serve becomes that sort of nervous dolly over yes. the net, which I think is the key, isn't it? You can tell the difference <laughs> if someone actually can play tennis because they do the second serve Indeed. properly with a, with a full jump and everything but you're back from Sierra Leone what, yes. were, what were you up to this time you it wasn't football based it was more educational uh, well yeah well I mean we did see the footballers as well but we um we ultimately we went there well for two reasons one was um I took uh, three doctors with me mm. who um work in London and in fact they contacted me to um, run a trauma course over there um we've uh, recently had uh, tarmac road from the capital up mm. through to Cambia where we are um, and the amount of trauma through um, motorbike accidents car accidents has um, increased tenfold so the people actually in the cars and in the motorbikes or the pedestrians both yeah both so we've had lots of children being knocked down um, we've had um, motorbikes carrying um, passengers that have come off um, you know, even while we were there, there were two people killed on on motorbikes. Wow. So you know, it's a it's a huge problem at the moment. And is that is it lack of kind of ability to cope with the speed, both for the drivers and for the the pedestrians, unaware of that because the tarmac's facilitated the ability to sure. to just go that much faster. Yes, I think um, I the the road because it's quite new. There are really no speed restrictions on oh, it. Okay. Um, they've just recently put some um, uh, humps in the road right in the middle where pe- people are crossing to the school, um, but the the cars are just going at speed, mm. um, and the motorbikes that were obviously going quite slowly on on dirt tracks are now yeah. going a lot faster, and the children just have no concept of speed must be surreal for you as well it must be like a snapshot into history in a way of what how it would have been in this country 100 years ago so when when tarmac first got laid here and and i suppose cars weren't were were a lot more dangerous then as well yeah i guess so yeah um yeah and and the hospital are suddenly having to deal with trauma Mm. patients that they've never really seen before yeah so uh, you know there's a real necessity there severe yeah really severe injuries indeed yeah life-threatening yeah well, tell us, because go back to the start, because obviously we, we spoke to you with Sean Long and Kevin Dawson, who Kevin's now at, Glo- uh, at Forest Green, but was a former Cheltenham Town footballer. Longy's still still at Cheltenham now. And they went out in the summer to coach the uh, the associated team, Cheltenham Town Football Club in Sierra Leone. But what's your, your history with this goes back a long time, doesn't it? In terms Ye- of the... Yes. In Africa, yeah. what was your yeah, background? Yeah, so, well, I originally, I was taken by um, one of the anaesthetists I worked with. Um, he um, was the head of a, a, a anaesthetist for the whole of um, Africa. 
and he invited me to go to Malawi and Rwanda. The whole of Africa. Mm. That's I mean that's a huge. Yeah, I mean he's yeah he's a, he's something else, very special guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he took me over there. He helped design a anaesthetic machine that could be used when you didn't need electricity, so it was foot pumped. Oh wow! Which was fantastic for developing countries. Mm. So he took me. Um, he went to train people to use the machine, and I taught resuscitation. Um, so we did a three-week tour of Rwanda and Malawi teaching and then when I got back he then was talking to another consultant who worked in Sierra Leone and said look I've just taken Jen this nurse she's a brilliant teacher could you use her in Sierra Leone Mm. and then there the story lies so I've been going to teach in Sierra Leone for the last 11 years now what was your first emotional response when you went to Africa did you just get overwhelmed by the, the suffering that, that you saw or, or was it more a, a kind of balanced view? Because we talked about before how happy in general people were, people yes. are in Africa. I, I think for me, um, I always say to people, it's like Marmite. Mm. Um, <laughs> and for me, I mean, I absolutely just fell in love with it. Yeah. I, love, uh, I love the community spirit. I love the family spirit. I just love the way that people are so resilient mm. um, and they face... They face things in life that you and I would never even no. worry about. For example, they don't have running water or electricity. Yeah. You know, things like that that we take for granted. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're trying to wash your hands to do an operation or you yeah. know, you're you've got a very sick person and you, you you're doing it by a head torch because you don't have any power. Yeah. You know, you don't really see that. No. Um, and that's something that we're very privileged. You know, I've worked in the NHS for over thirty years. And that's not something that's ever been an issue. Mm. And just to see something so basic yeah. that they don't have, that they have to overcome that before they can even start. Well, I've got, I've told you before, I've got family, a lot of family who are doctors. My father's a GP, my uncle's a GP, um, great uncle's a GP, my brother's a GP, my sister-in-law's a GP. So I've got all this medical background. I think it can be difficult in this country because you're dealing with a lot of more complex sort of emotional problems now. Was there a sense of these are real problems that are transparent that I can help that help sort of fix yeah i think also that you know over there they they don't show they don't show a frustration so for example if you were waiting for four hours in mm. a in a, a gp surgeon uh, in a any um mm. you know waiting room which is a lot of talk about that all the which time. is yeah. quite a common thing these days mm. if you're not if you're not arriving at a life-threatening event you'll become really frustrated mm. they i've never ever seen any frustration People yeah. will sit patiently and they will wait for help. Um, and, they, and they're always grateful for whatever you do. Yeah, because it's not an expectation. No, they wouldn't criticise you because they've had to wait for you or, mm. you know, or isn't it irritating, there's no power on or, you know, <laughs> hang on, I've just got to go off and wash my hands and find some water and soap. You know, that it's just things like that. It's just taken for granted that yeah. there is a patience about waiting. And presumably as well you wouldn't get someone coming and waiting and with a sort of cough or a tickly throat or something which obviously gps now have to entertain there's people who go back whether it's hypochondria or it's just a, a general thought of oh i've got a slight problem i'll go to the doctor and, and ask them what it might be even if it's, it's just a cold exactly right i mean you just they, they would not get treated for anything like that um a lot of the villages that are remote um they will have uh, traditional healers within mm. the villages so a lot of the medicine is very traditional from you know years gone by um if they come to hospital they're usually pretty sick mm. 
Um, in our, we've just um, recently built a primary school and in our village we um, built a little treatment centre and we've now treated over a thousand children and um, members of the community and of all the ones that have been treated yes you know you get a cut or you know a wound but mostly they're really sick and they've ended up needing to go to hospital yes yeah so that's the yeah. difference i think not that i'm anywhere near as <laughs> resilient as that but i think growing up with a dad as a doctor you'd always say to him oh dad i've got this problem or whatever and you're a kid and he'd be like no you're fine you're yes. fine and it, you actually do think and i'm always surprised when i meet people and even my wife to a lesser extent but when they sort of say i'm going to the doctor you're like oh what was wrong and you think it's well, it's something just ride out yeah. or it's a minor problem but yes. there's that thing that we've got of, and maybe that NHS has built in that expectancy sometimes and maybe that's part of the debate is do we in this country if we want to prolong it use it less I don't know you know or just be more mindful of, of things yeah I think we're, we're very quick to get treatment because we know it's there yeah and it's free to us um, whereas you know in Sierra Leone you have to be pregnant or under five to get free health care Wow. So, for example, a very good example was one of our workers. He was one of the guys helping to build um, our playground. We built a playground in our school grounds a uh, year before last. And he, I could tell he was sick because he, A, mm. wasn't working particularly effectively, but he was also <laughs> kept sort of doubling up in pain. So eventually we got him to um, disclose what was wrong. And he had a huge hernia. And anyway... He was trying to do building work. He was trying to build with a hernia. And so we spoke to um, the doctor at the hospital and said, look, you know, he's, he needs to be operated on. Mm. And they said, well, that's fine, but he earns 300,000 uh, Sierra Leoneans, which is equivalent to about £30 a month. Wow. So he, own, he earns £30 a month. His operation costs £70. Which still seems which cheap, but... to is, us is yeah. nothing. Yeah. But to, to him, who has nine children... Oh man! There's no way he could afford it. No. So we quietly agreed that we would pay cover his surgery, and actually that night his hernia strangulated, and he ended up having to have emergency surgery. Yeah, that must be difficult for you when you're working there, because obviously there's a, a tendency you just want to. You're a nurse by trade, so you want to help people and be kind, but so you don't want to unbalance the local population by giving some people things that other people then exactly then get. right. And you know we did have to keep it very quiet where the mm. money had come from. Um, but you know he was a very important part of the community. Mm. he had nine children six of which were at our local school yeah and you know he had helped us in many many ways built building and you know how could we not help him yeah you know 70 pounds to us is a meal out in an evening yes yeah you know, yeah it's, it's true it's just when you put it into perspective and average, the average salary i think i read is 50 dollars a month us dollars a yes. month so it's about 30 yeah 40 pounds maybe yeah um uh, they are trying to up that at the moment but uh, yeah the, their salary is very poor and uh, yes okay food is cheaper um but to feed ourselves when we're there two meals is six pounds a day mm. well that's six pounds for one person yeah and you extrapolate that you over, extrapolate that over and a month. Exactly. So, you know, often they will only have one meal a day. Yes. You know, that's not uncommon. The children often come to school and have not eaten. Um, wow. And, and that's, that's their reality. Yeah, and the people here are worrying about doing deliberate fasts and yes. stuff and things and, and getting stressed about yes. whether they can do that or whether they should do a carnivore diet or a vegan Indeed. diet or whatever it is perspective. What What is the, the economic issues? I mean, because I'm not in any way, it's one of the weaker areas that how can it improve in in those parts of the world to create more of a flow of money 
Well, I mean, at the moment, the last statistics that I've read, and I know they can be swayed to say whatever, but there's about 70% unemployment in okay. Sierra Leone. So need an industry. Um, yeah, and when I think about the guys that I come into contact with, so for our footballers, for example, mm. um, there's probably 80% of our footballers that don't have a job. Are these people playing in the team and a team that gets thousands of people watching yeah, them, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Ten, 10,000 was at the last match Fantastic. we went to. Um, you know, that's more than, than more, when more, I went to see Cheltenham Town in Cheltenham. Cheltenham Town here, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so these guys are, you know, brilliant footballers. And when you speak to them about, you know, what their aspirations are, a lot of them, yes, they want to be a footballer's profession, but some of them don't. Some of them want to be mm. a lawyer or an engineer or an electrician. Yeah. But actually to get them a foot on that ladder is incredibly hard. Historically, what was the industry? Was it farming in Sierra Leone? Or? There is a lot of farming and, and still is. Um, it's a tropical climate. The, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it has a rainy season and a dry season. So they're in the uh, dry season at the moment. So it's southwest Africa. No, it's... No, it's um, north. Uh, north. Northwest, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just on the Guinea border, mm. um, and they had it was rich in diamonds and minerals, um, which has slowly been sold off by the government. Um, so it's is it a democratic government government currently? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's it's a very peaceful place mm. where we go, um, but politics, as in every country, yeah. has an impact. Um, and at the moment, um, certainly even the road from our existing village to where our other school's being built, which is 18 miles away, we thought they were going to replace the road and that's not going to happen now. Really? And, you know, we say 18 miles, which doesn't sound much, but it takes us an hour and a half to drive there. 18 four, miles? Yeah, in a four wow. by four, because yeah. the road is so bad. No. So you imagine a sick person trying to get from yeah. that village to our hospital. Yeah. It's near on impossible to get somebody in time mm. um, and for them to still to be alive, to be treated. Is there a knock-on effect? Are people generally who aren't ill, are they fitter because of that lack of roads and, and things like that? They're sort of physically well, active as part well, of their everyday I mean, life? they're incredibly active and yeah. so strong. I mean, our footballers... They are so, so strong. Mm. It's just um, unbelievable. And, and in fact, they, they've been fantastic clearing the land ready for our new um, nursery <laughs> school we're going to build. They've become really important members yeah, of the community. Funny, coming from this part of the world must be weird because you obviously want to help them and materially improve in lots of ways and bring more money into the country. But I guess you don't want to bring in the downsides of what we've seen in the West over the last hundred years of of inactivity and ill health which oh, I believe you've had to deal with so much as a yeah, nurse yeah absolutely but I don't think that'll ever happen there no you know a lot of them don't have access or can't afford cars or motorbikes so walking is their chosen thing hmm. um, the footballers they train every day do they? You know, every day. And an incredible... Cause they the, get, give themselves a rest day one day a week. <laughs> the guys who came out, was it, uh, Sean, Sean and Kevin were saying that they'd get there at sort of seven in the morning and the guys were already there warming up yeah. and doing the drills from yeah, the day before. Just and amazing. And could, it could handle the heat. They were playing in the heat and, and Sean and Kevin were watching and they couldn't handle the no. heat. So. Yeah, I went to... I did um, a warm-up with them um, a couple of years ago when I was feeling ultra-fit. <laughs> and by the end of the warm-up, there was no way I could have played for very long because yeah. I was absolutely exhausted. That's amazing, um, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're, they're uber fit. So with, with the 10,000 on the football front, they can get 10,000 people in. Mm. Do they? Can they charge them any money for that? To yeah, get they, they, they charge a very, very small amount because yeah. obviously people can't afford to, to do it. Um, but most of that money goes on the hire of the ground. 
um, oh, yeah. the hire of the um, microphone machine, you know, the tannoy. tannoy, thank you, um, and um, the the um, guys, the referees, and you know, the guys. So the players there. don't get paid. No, no, you know, the players don't get paid. The only time the players get any money is if they win a big um, cup and sometimes there is a financial gain for that as well mm. so the last time our players won a, a um, some money they actually bought a new um, some new kit with it oh okay with the money that do they, they get won. selected for Sierra Leone national team potentially are they available they for could, that potentially yeah. there's a couple of our guys who are so good um, they keep trying to to, uh, to snaffle them to mm. other clubs um, but our our team are really loyal yeah. and I think a lot of that is down to the fact that A, they are a, a really, really tight community um, but also we've managed to um, get sponsors in oh, okay. England for some of our players now. Yeah. So we've got, uh, so out of the, there's a squad of 40, we've got 17 sponsors oh, so fantastic. far. Fantastic. So that um, gives them money to live on. Yeah, so some of them are getting money every month not all of them. Some of them will get a gift when I go over, so their sponsor might decide to send them some new football boots mm-hmm. or send them some deodorant or um, some pens and papers if they're trying to study. So each sponsor will give what according to their own needs here. Mm. Um, we have got a couple of sponsors that send money regularly and That's... monthly to our players. Is that um, through a bank? transfer how yes so they pay it into our charity account yeah and then um our guys the other end will then pay out monthly and then they send a photo of them receiving the money so everyone knows it's completely above board and is is it dangerous for people receiving money out there because other people don't have it is there an issue no and i think somebody else asked me that because they said it's a really unfair system because obviously Mm. you've got some players that are sponsored and not others um is it based on talent the sponsorship no, no. not at all so sometimes so some people have approached me and said look I'm, I have a real interest in a goalie for example mm. um, that's where I used to play my position yeah so or maybe your you child plays in that exactly. position exactly yeah. so some of them have done it on what position they are some of them have done it on what um, employment they would like to go into so for example mm. I've got somebody who'd like to be a solicitor in the future I have a solicitor that is um, sponsored. Can they do the legal training there in Sierra? Yeah, they can, yeah. yeah. But they have to go to um, college and uni. And, and proportionally, that's a very expensive, is it, relative course, to income again? It's yeah. all about expense, really. Um, so some guys that do get money will then share it with the other guys. Yeah. You know, some of them bunk up together. So, you know, they all in the end benefit. Or if somebody's got sent a pair of boots that don't fit them, they will then give them to their mate that they do fit. So, yeah. you know, they're pretty good about sharing. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's an interesting one for you because you've come from a, a place with, with a lot more money on paper, but maybe with, with less less community-minded like that. Do you think that's a, a fear that, that money can breed from you've seen in this country, maybe a, a selfishness or a kind of yeah. a, a thing of, I want more we all feel relatively hard done by sometimes, don't we? Because we look at people with more and... I think anyone would would agree that, yeah. you know, you always want more, don't you? Yeah. Um, and these guys, I think for them, it's about somebody somewhere is actually looking out for them. Yes. You know, even if it's... I mean, I have one lady, for example, she's a Cheltenham... She's a Cheltenham fan here in Cheltenham. Oh, right. Um, and she's actually... She's had to um, leave work through to ill health. And she sponsors five footballers. Fantastic. And she said to me, I can't really continue doing this. Mm. Um, I probably need to drop down to one because you know, I haven't really got much money myself. Yeah. So when I went over, 
I explained to these five players that um, that she was in poor health. She hadn't sent anything this time, but she was thinking of them. And you know, all five of them wrote her a letter back. Did they? Yes. So I bought five letters back for her, and she said, "I can't, I can't give up on any of them." So she's <laughs> uh-huh. now going to approach Tottenham Town here yes. to try and help get some um, get a fundraising yeah scheme going so that she can raise money to to help these guys. I think the local club is definitely trying to be community minded. I know that I interviewed recently Nick Gazard, who's the father of the murdered yes, Gloucester, Holly, Gloucester yes. girl Holly, and they've done did the game at the weekend against Leighton yes. Orient and, and auctioned off shirts. So they. I think they are an important part of this community. But that emphasis on, on helping people, is it... We, we almost expect the government to do it here, don't we, I think? We talk about the NHS, whereas it seems... Do you sense that people over there do look out for each other more? And yes, it's... they do. And another really lovely scheme that um, I came across when I was last there is... Um, so within our school grounds, we have a little security hut. Mm. So we have a security guard who keeps an eye on the site um, and makes sure that um, all is well. And he lives in our village, and he is starting to build his own home. Um, he has got a little mud hut, yeah. but he wants to have a proper brick structure. From brick, so, not, not wooden. For brick, yes, yeah. so, and they, so they make their own bricks. Ah. So they buy the cement and sand, and, and they make the bricks, um, and they dry them in the sun, and then they build. So very capable, so all, very round, capable all round people, yes. yeah. Um, and so they they do that very, very slowly. So it might take them three years to build a property because they'll mm. build it as and when they can afford to, to buy stuff. Now, he was suddenly had all these bricks. And I said, well, how's he managed to do this? Because I know he's on, he's on £30 a month. That's his salary mm. as a security man. And apparently they've got a scheme now in the village. So all the villagers, every month, they will choose somebody who needs help. Wow. And they might, so there'll be 10 of them, they'll get together in a little sort of enterprise, there might be 10 of them, might be more, and they will all give a little bit. So it might even be just 50p, mm. but it'll be something. That's phenomenal. And that money will then go to that person for that month. Never vote to allocate it yeah. to someone, do they? Yeah. Because they say, right, he needs, uh, so Mohammed has decided he's going to build this. And they will then... And it gives you a vested interest to be a good community member Absolutely. as well, I suppose, because you know that people are yes. sort of keeping an eye on you and they'll help yeah. you if, you, if you're if you sort of worthy. And there was at least four of these schemes going on within the village that I knew about. So they were rotating where the money was going each month yeah. to give to the next person. So is that something that you when, you, when you look at all the things you get out of the process, is that partly something you find it uplifting is the is those community schemes yeah the way I think, that they are. I think the community spirit is amazing and 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 for me it's also um it's about promoting women there yeah so as in all developing countries women seem to come down the bottom mm. of the of the scale and it's a very and, mixed religious country so you've got islam and christianity yeah, yeah. and actually the, the the religion is not an issue they they live very comfortably hand in hand, um side by side the problem is actually that the males are um, promoted through school because they are going to be the money earner, mm-hmm. generally speaking. So the girls will often be married off. And they're having a lot of children from what you were suggesting. Yeah. That, yeah. But, the, but the issue is some of these girls are 14. Okay. You know, they're young girls yeah. that are then having to have children too young. Are they deemed children so, by Sierra Leone culture or how do they... They are. Differentiate, yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're still children. Um, but within the villages, you know, trying to license who gets married when is near on impossible. So we've been... Um, so it's actually illegal to be married at 14, but they are... I think 
Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't looked into the legal side of no. it, but I know it's happening. And so for us, we've tried really hard to keep our girls in our school for as yeah. long as possible. So we, although we are a primary school, we've got children that are up to age 15, 16, because our school only, has only been running two years. So a lot of those children have never been educated. So we've managed to keep our girls in our school longer to stop them being married. Yeah, okay, yeah. So the longer we can keep them in education, yeah. the longer the family is saying, actually, it's good that your daughter learns to read and write. Because they can now work. she can now work, she can help in a business, she mm. can keep your books. Those are all skills that you, you can't do. Mm. So Lottie's parents are illiterate. So actually their children are now becoming more Because illiteracy is common, isn't it? Really common. Yeah, Yeah. it's a huge problem. Mm. So actually we've managed to keep lots of girls in school that would otherwise not go on to do um, secondary school. So we've got a couple of the older girls that are um, being sponsored. So we also have an orphan sponsor system for our children. So we've got um, 38 orphans in our school. And of our 38, we have 26 that are sponsored. And does that reflect the fact that adult mortality is a lot higher there in terms of the average life expectancy? Yes, so at the moment, the average life expectancy for a man is 52. Wow. So it's still really, it's really like 30 low. years younger almost than, yeah. than the UK. It's a huge problem. And do you sort of envisage that people will have less children as they become more educated? Not that that's a... You know, you don't want to... Obviously, there's some beautiful, well, wonderful children there, I'm sure. But it's a challenge, isn't it? Because yeah. you've got... You can't have two people earning if you've got nine children. I, I don't think it's so much about a lack of education about having lots of children. It's actually, it's the fundamental fact that a lot of their children die before the age of five. So, yeah. you know, you might have a mother and she'll say, I've had, I have nine children, but she might only have six that are still alive. Yeah. She might only have two or three that are still alive. Yeah. So they keep having children because they know that, so, there's yeah. a high probability that mm. one of their little ones is going to die which is a lot more I mean, my granddad was one of 12 or 13 which I think thankfully all survived I think but it's that was a he was 1920s and that was probably because they were coming from a recent past where people were still dying in this country as children sure. so it was a norm to, to yes. just keep keep having babies yeah and so it's a norm there to keep having babies because they know that they won't all survive sadly mm. And even in our school, you know, we've lost two children over the last year. Yeah. And, you know, that's two more than we want to lose. Well, think about the Holly Gazzard thing. And I've got a little girl who's five. And even meeting Nick Gazzard was difficult for me because you want to do it and you want to help. But it's, I found the enormity of it so big. But then you think these people, as you say, in terms of being resilient, mm. have to cope with so much. Do you think that, is it sometimes that we're just soft because we're less exposed to these things regularly, like death and... Well, I mean, certainly we are less exposed to death. Mm. You know, when I'm there, I'm exposed to death pretty much every day I'm there. And that be that in the communities or in the hospital or somebody that knows somebody who's died. And that has become a way of life when I'm there that I've had to deal with. Mm. If we're here and somebody dies, it's a massive, yes, massive thing in our lives, and you know we go into we grieve and we mourn, and some people move on, some people never move on, and you know it's a massive thing there because it's happening every day. They are so resilient, and they're conditioned from an early age. They presumably. are, you know, they they'll lose somebody one day and they're back to work in the fields the next because they have to. Mm. So I think they are much more resilient than we are. Yeah, we said the loss of a child is the worst thing you can endure, but of if they're course. enduring that multiple times yes. in, in their life, is is phenomenal. Really, they can yeah. get 
get back up on and, and, and keep going. And, and is the community there, you mentioned the, the, the neighbourhood schemes, does that help people? Do you think that's why when we look and people keep trying to work out then the mental health issues in the West and why people are depressed and everything, do you think that community factor is a big, a big influence on keeping them feeling well? Yes, I think as a community, they pull together. Mm. And also, I think, you know, they, they live... So, for example, one of the families that I've come to know very, very well and very dear to me, you know, the children, the parents and the grandparents and the sisters and brothers are all within a very small yes. space. And, the, in fact, the grandparents live now with them. Oh, wow. So, you know, not only are they helping to look after their grandchildren, yes. but there is that community... There's a reciprocity of it that because they're, they're there and... Because I think it's in the Indian culture as well. I remember even speaking to people my age when I was in my twenties, and the chat was saying, "Well, you know, if I don't get married, I'll have to look after my parents, and or they'll move in with me anyway, and we get married." And That's it's right. and it's that kind of yeah. that yin and yang. Sometimes yeah. we're, we're a lot more individual based, which necessarily isn't always good for us. Yeah, is it? but you know, you think of our old people in our country and how many are shipped off to old people's homes. Yeah, because yeah. their children are either the other side of the country, or indeed they've moved abroad to work. Mm. But that doesn't happen. They yeah. look after. They look after the elderly, they look after the disabled. And I really love that. Yeah. The fact that that community spirit and that family, yeah. that extended family is so important still there. Yeah, my daughter's besotted with my wife, so maybe I'll be able to tag along and hopefully, yeah. you know, my old age. <laughs> but you do think about that, don't you, Indeed. actually? But we don't often think about that enough, I think. We don't think about how we treat our elderly and how we want to be treated no. when we're this. Like, we sort of distance ourselves, don't we, from that, which we is strange, do. lack an empathy with it. Yeah, I mean, there are no old people's homes over there. No. It's just not a thing. Yeah, it seems an <laughs> unnecessary thing to, it does. to have. Yeah. And yet we think it's a necessity here. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And what does is, what is football mean to the community? Because we touched upon it with, oh, football, with, the, with the chaps before. It's huge. I mean, it's huge within our school. It's huge within the community. Um, you know, these children live for football. Mm. And these young, these young men, as I said, you know, with such a high unemployment rate, yeah. actually it gives them such a focus in life. The fact that they go and train every day. Yeah. The fact that they um pull together and do work within the community. Um, you know, we our motto is victory through harmony. And they've <laughs> really sort of instilled that now when they go to matches, um there's no fighting, which Fantastic. was was a thing when you went to a match and it was, you know, two two teams, not so much the players, but the Oh, the fans. fans, right. So um, really tribal about that. Yeah, that's, very, good. that's very the, always so. the downside of, yeah. of sport, isn't it, I um, think? But, you know, victory through harmony is really, really sort of um, putting out its feelers mm. now as well. And also about picking up rubbish, yeah. which, you know, you think, <laughs> oh, that sounds silly. But actually, our footballers now, they always, and the fans, will go and pick up rubbish after the match. Oh, brilliant. And now other teams are seeing them do that. Yeah. We're hoping it will... Look, you know, it's fine to come and watch the match, but it's not fine to leave your plastics lying around all yes. over the place. Let's do something about this. It's brilliant. So what it is about the unique characteristics of football? Because I've always wondered, people talk about world sports, and football's definitely probably the world sport. Basketball maybe has a claim, but is it is it the simplicity of football at its basic level that you can just get a ball of any kind, of yes. whatever type of material it is, and just kick it around. Exactly. If you see some of the balls the children play with, you know that haven't got the uh, luxury of having a proper football. Yeah. They will make anything into a circle. Yes. Sorts. Yeah. Um, even some rags tied together, and they'll kick it about, and that's the joy of it, isn't it? You don't yeah. have to have a pitch. 
You don't have to have lots of kids. Well, it used to be in, in this country, a village with a pig's bladder, didn't it? Yeah, keeping it around. Yeah, exactly so. right. You know, and, and a lot of these children don't have any footwear. So, you know, they're running around in bare feet, kicking something around. But how joyful is that yeah. to see? Yeah. You know, they're outside. They're, they're, they're part of a team. They're getting exercise. Mm. They're, they're, they're learning that actually sport is fun and exercise is fun. But I don't think they're even consciously thinking that. They're no, doing it because they're enjoying it. And it's it. nice to have nice boots and nice training grounds that, that teams have here. But then you think it is a lot easier for African team to compete on a level playing ground than it, than it is for, say cycling i mean you look at you know it always makes me chuckle when we we're sort of point of pride in britain is oh cyclists do really well but we've got all these fancy velodromes and yes. thousand you know multiple thousand pound bikes which other co- a lot of countries in the world simply can't compete in so it's it's of a course. very you're competing against a very niche yeah. niche, niche competition that's um it's interesting but so with with you what what do you think your whole experience of of being there has given you in your life is it just that thing that being kind builds us up or is it yeah, I mean, I think... Feeling connected. I mean, before before I did any work with um, uh, Sierra Leone, I, I was massively into charity work anyway because yeah. I'm very close to the James Hopkins Trust. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know about them at all, um, but that's a charity in England, uh, in Tell Gloucestershire. Tell us more about what they so do. They, so they um, care for children with life-limiting and life-threatening illnesses. Mm. So they provide um, respite nurses for very sick children in Gloucestershire. So I've worked with them for years, yeah. and I've always, always felt that it doesn't matter how little you give, you can always give something. And mm. it doesn't have to be money, it can be your time, or it can be some compassion, or um, it can be just caring. And so for me, I think I've always, always wanted to give, and yeah. I enjoy giving more yeah. than receiving. It was a joy, isn't it, once you, once you lose that that fear of giving and you do it I think yeah is... I just want to keep giving yeah you know my, my husband talks because you know we're talking about you know what we'll do when we retire as you <laughs> all have these talks and dreams and retire to Sierra Leone and well do you know what I think we will spend a lot more time there but you know I said you know what really makes me happy is giving so mm. I'd much rather spend my time helping other people and giving yeah than doing everything about my own gain yeah you've got your two children as well are they involved? three three yes. sorry i've seen two of them <laughs> yeah, no, 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 three, yeah. <laughs> we've actually got six between us oh okay so i've got three and simon's got three so oh fantastic so that's because that, that's a lot of energy i know they're sort of obviously a little bit older now but yes. for you to, to juggle that balance as well yeah, presumably absolutely. you inspire them though to be well, we kind. hope so. I mean, certainly Emily's been to Sierra Leone lots of times mm. with us, and she absolutely loves it. She's a geography teacher, so actually having yeah. a teacher on board is brilliant um, for helping to train our teachers over there. Um, and I think they've always they've always grown up knowing that giving is a really yeah. She works in a, a quite difficult community in, in London now. So yeah, she does, and you know she has children that have all sorts of very challenging um, situations, and I I think it really increases your empathy. Yeah. And she may have children from African backgrounds as well, which presumably she'll have a little yeah, bit of does. insight into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, she has a child from Sierra Leone, so she's able to chat quite openly oh, and happily nice. with him about um, you know, her experiences of Sierra Leone. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that any young person who gets an opportunity to mm. go to a developing country... I think it's just such a it's a no brainer for me. What are the health considerations are going to Sierra Leone because you, is it you have to have malaria? 
yes you, yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's rife with malaria so but i've been going 11 years and i've never caught it so no. clearly the treatment works <laughs> um yes you have to have you know immunizations vaccinations before you go um but you you know it's with any country as long as you're careful of what you eat and yeah. you know your hand hygiene you can keep yourself well are the mosquitoes intense there Yes, and they yeah. like me. Do they? Yeah, I do. There's always it. someone in the room who, who oh, they prefer, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so I, I am very, very careful when I'm there because I do get bitten. So, yeah. you know, I do take my treatment. And the, the, the only downside for me is um, I used to give blood regularly. Yes. And you have to have six months between coming off your malaria treatment to mm. give blood. And because I'm going to Sierra Leone so regularly, mm. I haven't been able to give blood for the last few years now. Oh, that's, yeah. so that's the only downside for me yeah but i just encourage other people to give blood on my behalf now yeah my brother's got a rare type i can't remember what it is but he's always given blood a lot actually yeah he was a teenager it's they a discovered really that they? yeah what um what's the mood in terms of do they because it's always some people might feel like more isolationist minded like let's not interfere with other countries in terms of wars or or anything do you feel that it is important for us to to try and get out there in the world and and, and not I guess patronise people but just to, no, to help no and, I, and I've never ever felt that giving help there is patronising because actually at the end of the day for me it's about helping them to help themselves yeah so yes we've built a school and you could argue that that's giving aid mm. but actually we've provided a school that's education educating over 500 children that's yeah. employing um, nine teachers um, and I'm hoping that out of those 538 children, <laughs> there will be some children that will go on and have a better step up in life now. Do you think of the world as a community? If we're all doing well, it's good for the whole yeah, atmosphere and, of the, the world. We can pull together on things like climate change and everything. Of course more. we can. I think some people live very insular lives, don't they? They mm. live in their own bubble, in mm. their own world. And actually sometimes it's easier to stay within your bubble and not put yourself out there yeah. and, do you and feel, challenge yourself. Do we have a debt of, of, of work in a sense for the previous generation because of colonialism and stuff? Because that was obviously something that played its part in Sierra Leone, wasn't it? In, yeah. a, in a big way, the slave trade even. Of course, but I think, you know, things have moved on from there, mm. haven't they? And I think we, we, as a society, if we all say, well, we shouldn't interfere or we shouldn't help, then... Mm. What does that say about no. us? And they don't bear any grudges for that, do they, not to the West Westerners? No, not at all. I think what they don't like is people parachuting in when there's some great big trauma. For example, when the Ebola was on, mm-hmm. you know, there was lots of NGOs that parachuted in and gave help and aid, which was brilliant, but then went. Okay, yeah. And it's that aftermath yeah. of, well, you've got all this help and you've got people there and you've got equipment and then suddenly it's all gone. Yeah. So it's about continuing things on through the good times and the bad. Can, can you envisage a perfect balance between how we live in the West and how they live in a, a, retaining the community spirit whilst raising the, the health conditions for everyone in the, the aspirational I, I th- dreams? I think everyone has a right to have a home. Mm. You know, everyone has a right to have their health and um, their well-being. And if we can do anything to help that, then... Why is that a bad thing to no. do that? Yeah. I know some people are really, really anti-helping any charities abroad. And I can see why, because obviously there is the whole issue of, you know, um, corruption and, you know, does your money get to where it's going? Yeah. 
And I think that's why Simon and I have been so passionate about, you know, every single penny that has ever been given to our charity has gone where it was supposed to go <clears throat> because we've kept it small enough that we've been able to manage that. Yeah. You know, and we have... Because that's been the issue with the Oxfam and things in the past, is it, where there have been so many people working yeah. in so many different corners of the world. You know, that... We don't want our charity to get too big. We could. We could grow it if we wanted to. Yeah. But actually, we want to be able to keep an eye on where the, where is the money going. Let's finish one project before we move on to the next. Let's make sure that everything we do is manageable and achievable and that we can use the local community to work with us. Yeah. So we're not doing it for them. No. But we're giving them the money to get the materials to build something. You just wonder how much sort of Western sport teams can do and things. Because I remember as a boy, uh, my sort of almost entry point to South Africa was... I remember Ryan Giggs, Manchester United, went to, to tour South Africa before a pre-season tour... Giggs was pictured with Mandela and then the Rugby World Cup in 1995 was in South Africa and that brought obviously South Africa won it it was a huge deal and it sort of was an entry point for me waking up about that country and what happened who Nelson Mandela was do you think that sports teams going to Africa and do, doing tours and trying to illuminate these issues how significant could that be particularly for, for young people I think it would be huge after seeing how um, Longy and Kev were um, yeah. welcomed into the community there I can't, I can't begin to tell you what a morale boost it was for the footballers there. Mm. That somebody had actually taken time to go over there and teach them. You know, they spent five days teaching this, um, uh, this football course for these guys. And the fact that they not only came, they gave up their time, they raised money to get themselves there. They came armed with football <laughs> and kit. And when I went back there this time, the guys were doing all the drills that Sean and Kev had taught them. And I thought, you know what, that is just amazing. Yeah. That, you know, they were there for seven days, but they've already had such an impact. And, you know, Sean and Kev have been brilliant. You know, they're still really close to Simon and I. Mm. Um, and I know that they would always help us in the future. They could. I know, you know, realistically, there are lots of players that will say, there's no way I'm going to somewhere like yeah. Sierra but I'm hoping that there's a lot more African players now people like Sadio Mane and Mo Salah's obviously Egyptian but they're playing for Liverpool there's yeah. a bit more you know awareness of, of where these people are from and I suppose that hopefully will sh- shed the light on what's happening in their country yeah but also I think it's you know sometimes just putting yourself out of your comfort zone mm. to the good of somebody else it can't be anything but a positive thing and, you know, if I could get any footballer, you yeah. know, you've got many contacts, so please, please, please. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. If you've got another footballer who thinks, actually, I'd really like to do that, I'd quite happily go and run a masterclass for yeah. the footballers. Um, you know, we've got we've got a community there that are itching to get another mm. footballer over there. I mean, I'm sure Premier League teams do do stuff, but you wish that maybe they could have each have a team in Africa or something like that, potentially, to, to just funnel money and resource in a yeah. positive way. To... Yeah, and also, I think, you know, for for footballers that eventually they will retire from football yeah but they want to still stay in a football um sort of situation then great for you know if they want to be um you know coaches in the future Mm. what better experience in coaching a team of guys over there that you know some of them haven't even got football boots to start with yeah and And to see the progress that they make an inspiring thing for your own life as well that gratitude they display and everything like that you say which is quite you know kind of something that we can we can learn from certainly do you feel that you've is it has inspired you to to appreciate life more from from going there both definitely both the fragility of it but also just 
what you have and the, the material comforts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more I go, the more I realise what is useful and what isn't. Mm. You know, they talk about this African graveyard, so you get equipment and things that are donated to developing countries that will then sit just rusting away because oh, right. actually they can't be used there. It's no point sending a piece of machinery to a hospital where there is no power to plug it into, for example. Yes. You know, so people sometimes think they're being really kind by sending stuff, but actually a lot of stuff is not usable. And I suppose for me, I've been there long enough now that I know what is really useful. What's the most useful thing? So, well, it depends who you're looking at. So the footballers, you know, every time I go, I could take a bag of football boots because their boots don't last forever because of the grounds they're playing on. So although, you know, when Kevin and Sean came, we took a load of football boots, most of those now are coming to the end of their life. So I now need to go through the whole process again to gather boots together. And there is a couple of people who contacted me that said they might have some boots. So for footballers, it's always going to be Mm. boots and kit. Um, and we would like I to Cheltenham think, could send their old shirts over. Well, they, they do. They and, do, yeah. You know, the guys have been fantastic. So hopefully at the end of this season, we might be able to get another set of stuff over. And they're, they're obviously um, happy for the club to, to have the Cheltenham Town name. Oh, absolutely. There, yeah. You know, I, I have to say that Cheltenham Town in, in Cheltenham have been absolutely brilliant in supporting the team over there. Mm. Um, you know, they've been instrumental in, in getting support. And, you know, I can thank them from the bottom of my heart. Um, so for the footballers, that... For the hospital and our treatment centre, it's as simple as even us having bandages yes. and plasters yeah. and antiseptic in hand. Because there's no water, just hand sanitizers. Mm. You know, just simple things that I can take that make a huge difference. And I'll put a link under the podcast for the, the website. But what is the website for people who are listening? Fantastic. That... So it's Cambia District Foundation. Yeah. Um, we're on Facebook. And it's um, K Cambia, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. K Cambia. Um, we're on Facebook and we are on Instagram. And we have our website as well. So it's www.cambia.com. And you can make donations through the website. You can. Yeah, yeah. we've got a Virgin Donates um, attached to that. Um, or they can contact me directly. If they don't want to send money, which some people don't, yeah. but they might say, actually, you know, I've just, I'm just about to throw out 10 bandages because I don't need them. Then, yes. You know, send them here. Or some we football boots that no one's worn or something. Football boots, yeah. yeah. So anything from size 38 to 44 seems to be the most common Are they the European sizes, sizes yeah, though? Yeah, they are. So what's that, um, sort of 7 to a yes, 11 or 12? Or? Our smaller boys are in sort of 6, 7, and the big guys are in 10's about the biggest okay. size. So, yeah, football boots, um, socks, uh, shin pads, yeah. um, deodorant, soaps, oh, yeah. even little kit bags to put their boots in. Some of these guys don't even have a little bag to put them in. Boot bag, yeah. So, you know, anything. Some people, you know, their children are just leaving school and they've got kit left over well throw it our way you know we, we can get it there we will what's your sense of not only the football club but mm. Sierra Leone since you've been working there you worked in Rwanda and Malawi Africa do you feel that it's because people can be cynical about it and say oh this has been a problem since the 80s what's changed do you feel that there is progression there that that, that things are starting to move that maybe democracy is more common that, yeah. that things are growing people have got better lives I think I think certainly um, there are still challenges and, and always will be mm. um, certainly in my lifetime I don't think I'm going to see um, a huge difference in the fact that I can die thinking it's fine, yeah. I don't need to help there. Yeah. However, you know, I'm hoping I one of my six children or one of our six <laughs> children will um, take See. over from us when we can't. 
Um, but I think it for for me, I have seen improvement. Yeah. And it's slow. But even just having a main road is a massive difference. Yeah. Because before it used to take us four and a half hours to get from the airport, we can now get there in an hour and a half. <laughs> you know, and for transporting equipment, materials for building, um, it's got to be a, a plus. You know, they've yeah. got solar panel lights that have gone up in the town, so that's a huge advantage. Um, but everything takes time and money. Yep. It does, it does. And with everything here, how do we get people to appreciate what they have living in, in places like England? Is it possible just by reading about it? Do you have to go and see it? What do you think? Because of the appreciation you have, and you're talking about the, the commonplace aspect of dealing with death over there and how difficult people find it here, and this ongoing discussion about mental health in this country. How, how can we teach that gratitude and, and, I think and that appreciation? That's a really, really difficult question. Yeah, no, I know. Don't, yeah. have to, don't have to solve it, but it's just because, a, it's almost a thought. Yeah, really. I mean, Simon and I speak passionately about Sierra Leone because yeah. you know it it is our it is our other home and we have a family there now you know mm. and they, and in our guys Mohammed and Charles that run the boat for us over there they um call us mum and dad <laughs> so you know and we are part of that community and so we are passionate that doesn't necessarily mean other people are passionate no. and we have got friends that haven't got any interest and we know that so we don't talk to them about it yes. But if people ask us, we will talk about it. Do you think that people, do you think that people, I guess, it gives the people appreciation here if they would be happier in a way with their life if they knew what what it, lives are like elsewhere? Yeah, I don't... I don't More of a gratitude? Because it seems I, like you said that they're very gracious and yeah, full of gratitude. I, I think it's very difficult for people to appreciate that if they're in their bubble that hasn't had an insight. Yes, you can't just read about how difficult things are. No, you have I to... mean, you can read and you can see pictures, but unless you experience it, yeah. it's very difficult to... So, And I can understand why some people won't have a concept of how difficult life is over there. Yes. And what can we learn from Sierra Leonean kind of culture? Is that, do you think the community aspect is... Absolutely, I would say a community um, is huge. You know, how many people never speak to their next door neighbour even? Mm. You yeah. know, that's so common, isn't it? Yes. Well, we've been looking after our next <laughs> neighbour who hasn't got any family, actually. She's gone into a home recently and we're right. just working out because she's very physically incapacitated. But luckily, there's been a network of, of neighbours around us before us. And since we've come, my wife's been a big part of that as well as helping look after her. But it's, uh, you know, she's, I think, had some distant cousins in Twickenham in, in southwest London, but no one local. So it's a big, it's a big thing, it's isn't huge, it? It's huge, isn't yeah. it? So, you know, just thinking about who lives next door to you, your own community... Your own family. You just know. being social because you just build those social. networks. Of course you do. Um, and, you know, there is always somebody worse off than you. I, yes. I, I, I'm a real believer in that. And, you know, even at Christmas, you know, we did lots of food. Because some people say to us, why are you only concentrating on Africa? And we don't. It's just we don't sort of shout from the rooftops everything else we so do. It's, sort of, it's a funny but, argument, though, isn't it? Because there's problems yeah. else. Why, why bother doing anything? Because there's course. so many problems. But, you know, we do. You know, we help James Hopkins Trust hugely. You know, Simon's company, Thomas Legal have just... Um, they've been the main sponsors at the, the ball they've just had. Mm. They managed to raise £22,000 for James Hopkins. That's oh, a brilliant. huge amount of money. Yeah. Um, so we're passionate about that charity... Um, you know, we put together all these hampers at Christmas and delivered them to the local family centre and they yeah. were distributed to families in Gloucestershire. So we do help here as well. 
Yeah. Um, you worry, I, worry about homelessness and stuff even around Cheltenham, don't you? Now it yes, seems to be more common. It's a huge problem. Um, but as I said, there's always somebody worse off than you, and if you can do something little to help, then just put yourself out there. Even if it means you're doing your weekly shop and you throw a few extra cans of beans in and put them into the food yeah. food bank, that's helping somebody. And you get, and you do get selfish slight buzz from that don't you as well which sounds no not it's not selfish but you get you say being kind can have a a sort of an uplifting effect on you yeah but if everyone shows some kindness yeah then that spreads doesn't it yes if we all be if we're all sort of so wrapped up in our own lives and our own world then you know we don't reach out to other people and that's not just by giving you don't have if you haven't got anything yourself it doesn't stop you showing love and, and caring. No, looking out for each other, particularly family members. Yeah, and, you, know, yeah. you look on Facebook at the moment and, you know, after this, you know, awful suicide. Yes. And you think, actually, how many other people are sitting out there, you know, on the edge? Yeah. If somebody hasn't reached out to them. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to give people money to reach out and show you care. Yeah, just try and be default kindness as a sort of default position isn't yeah. it? it's quite an interesting one because we learned a lot of that's my little girls at primary school and their motto emblazoned on their sweaters and, and cardigans is always be kind and you think yeah. kids are taught that and then we get into the adult world sometimes in in the sort of capitalist countries or wherever and it's very much about the individual isn't it and it's, yes. it's about what you can get and what you deserve and what rather than actually what we can do together i suppose exactly which is hopefully sports a good, I mean, metaphor for that, isn't it? Because you have to pull together in a team. Of and course. And, and you're releasing all those good endorphins when you're out exercising. And, you know, yeah. just, I think sport has a massive part to play. And that's why I'm passionate about sport. I'm passionate about children getting out there. Yes. Get off, get off their Xbox. Well, you've got a young there. lad, haven't you? Studying yes. Has well, that been difficult with esports and stuff it, as opposed yes. to playing, playing video yeah, games? Rather it's than, really yeah. hard, isn't it? You know, what would I rather do? I'd rather send him out on his bike for a bike ride. But at the moment, he's got to sit down and revise. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's having that happy medium, isn't it? Definitely. Plus you've got the joyful weather. Which... Yeah, <laughs> the aftershock of yes. Storm Dennis. It's a little bit brighter, but now it's <laughs> yeah. just got your living room window getting a bit bit cloudy. But Jen, I really appreciate it. Anything else that people should finally uh, look to or just connect or just generally, even if it's not um, Cambia Foundation that you guys set up, it's it's any sort of way of just helping people? Yeah, I think it's just uh, putting that message out there to be helpful. You know, I don't want to sound like one of these annoying yeah. people that, you know, goes to Africa and does good because it's not about that at all. It's just about being kind and being helpful. Yeah, and, and speak to anyone that's been as well, like yourself and, and the child, and Kevin Dawson and Sean Long, I think have got a lot to stay. And definitely the impact on them was visible, wasn't it? They radiated, oh, I think, huge. after that experience. And yeah. that was months afterwards. I yeah, to and, I, and I thought the experience will stay with them for their life. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, Jen, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for uh, listening to the podcast. Hope you liked it, guys. Sport and Life, rate it on iTunes. Uh, I'm Ed Draper, 81 on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, Get in touch with any thoughts, positive or constructive. Do appreciate it. Enjoy uh, the rest of your week.